0: Hello and welcome everyone to our latest experiment, the Harris podcast. My name is Jeff Bender, and I'm here to help you better understand who we are, where we are going and to engage you in our journey. These podcasts are intended to introduce you to our leaders, our initiatives, and to new ideas and ways of thinking. Our goal is to not only inform you, but to engage you in helping us create the enduring organization. Please enjoy.
1: Um, I've spent A lot of 2019 uh, focusing on diversity and inclusion. And a lot of the, for the individuals who have been part of that that initial six group that we worked with, I think there's three groups here, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of passionate dialogue um, between myself and the KPMG consultant around quotas. So, Jerry, when you talk about bringing groups into the organization, how much uh, impact can you have on the makeup of that group? And uh, I think it speaks nicely to, to some of our focus around diversity and inclusion. So Jeff sent out a, a message earlier this week, and we certainly are focusing more on diversity and inclusion, but, you know, why do you feel, each of you feel, it is important, and what role do you believe you, you play with regards to diversity and inclusion?
0: I'll start. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, I think I have, I mean, as the, the current leader of the organization, I think I have the, the, the highest level of uh, accountability and responsibility to uh, make sure that we're creating uh, an environment and a, and a culture and a company that is as diverse and inclusive uh, as possible. I think to understand, I mean not that we, no, there's never been any meeting where you sit there and say like we're, we're, you know, we're not going to be diverse and we're not going to be uh, inclusive. I think you know, the more you, you read and the more you understand and the more people challenge I think some of the things that we do. I think you realize that a lot of it uh, is, is unconscious, right? Those are just these systems that are in place and these ways of thinking that end up creating situations where diversity and inclusion uh, suffer. So I think, again, I have the ultimate responsibility to make sure that we, you know, we, we take it seriously, we continue to, to do things. I think personally, if I think of the enduring organization, which is something that I, I, I really believe in, uh, and I think you know, if I was to have any legacy uh, you know, when I decided that I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore, I do think that that, to me, would be that, you know, that the, the Harris organization would continue to do all of the great things uh, that it's doing. That, to me, would be uh, what I would want, and I do think that D&I is a requirement for that to happen. Uh, so I think right for us to be able to be enduring means we must be diverse and we must be inclusive. So I think that's, that's how I look at it. And I think that's why you know, I'm you know, working with Judy and working with all of our leaders to understand what we're doing. Again, you know, a, a big change that we made to the compensation system uh, had, you know, it was all about fairness and transparency and making sure that actually that people that were doing the same thing in different groups or different businesses were getting treated the exact same way. Because to Jerry's point, people come in at different price points and different things over time and we don't always move very quickly to, to address those. But this was a sort of a, a systematic approach where we said we will address this and we will create um, a system that actually is fair, transparent uh, and consistent. So I think you, know, you are seeing us start to do a lot more we've got, we always have the, the work with KPMG. I personally prefer our internal work more than I work with KPMG. I don't I don't I don't dislike KPMG. I just think they're a bunch of consultants, and I you know I read the report and I, I feel like if I went to a different company that didn't engaged them, it would be the same damn report. <laughs> like I, I just I just didn't feel it really was it was it's delving deep enough. So I think again we own that. That's we we don't need to hire somebody. We did that. To sort of, I think to help us. I think just assess what we're doing and where we're going. So I think you're going to con- continue to see us you know, move these things forward. But really, I mean, the honest answer is just like organic growth doesn't come from the four of us sitting on this stage, you know, creating a, an organization and a culture that truly embraces inclusion and diversity doesn't come from the four people sitting on this stage either, right? It comes from each one of you uh, in every decision that you make in every way that you think. And if you see something that isn't supporting that and you do nothing about it, you're perpetuating, right? The, the reality of the situation that, that we need to change, so I think in we as the collective, Harris, have the responsibility to make sure that we 're doing the things that are just the right and fair things to do Jerry?
2: yeah, so i 'll kind of tie the first thing about the enduring organization i didn 't quite think about it that way when the question was just asked, but I do think, I think that is important because the fact of the matter is you know if you look at the future demographics, if we don 't have diversity we won 't be able to have an enduring organization because we won't have anybody working here right like that's that's the bottom line so that's that's the first thing but the other thing is you know i think we pride ourselves on being uh, data driven and you know as you look at the data the data seems to be fairly overwhelming that more inclusive and diverse organizations actually make better decisions there's a, there's a fair amount of data on that uh, these days and i firmly believe that so i think that as we focus on this and have the discussion that's going to help us as a, as an organization um, I'm not a fan, you know. Judy mentioned this idea of quota. I readily, you know, stretch that I'm not a fan of that. Okay, I, I, I don't believe we're going in, in any kind of direction like that, but just kind of put that on the record. Um, my role, I do think my role is to have this, this discussion like we're having today about the importance of having diversity and inclusion in our organization and working with the people that work with me. To try to challenge what these unconscious biases are, because to just point, I think that is really where where they are. And you know, until you have a conversation, you never say to yourself, "Oh, I never realized that I was doing that." And you know, uh, you know, Judy had mentioned some terminology in some of our our advertisements that we do for job posting. And I, quite honestly, when she brought it up, had never really thought about this terminology having potentially negative connotations before. We've since made those changes, but I think those are the kind of small little changes that we can make. And I think that's, you know, the role that I have and all of us up here is kind of helping everybody understand what those unconscious biases are, supporting those changes on a consistent daily basis in the organization and holding people specifically accountable when they make decisions that are contrary to that, because I don't believe that's consistent with our core values.
1: Thanks, Jerry. Sean?
3: Yeah, I think it's, it really is about unconscious bias. I think it's something we uh, talk about in business, uh, making like good business decisions and not being influenced by, you know, by advertising or buying a business by managers that are saying all the right things. We really kind of try to not <coughs> fall for that and be very self-aware and rely, you know, make decisions that are that are data-driven. But I think there's still a whole category of decisions. Um, that are still influenced unconsciously by our bias. And as, I, as you were talking about it, Jerry, I was just wondering, like so far, you know, you've listened to me, kind of give you my, my spiel, but uh, would you feel differently if I had a very big accent? Like my French accent would come out. Do you feel different me, about me? And, and you do, right? So think about when you're hiring somebody that maybe is different, are they truly different? Because I'm, you know, like I'm the same person sitting here, but you just heard something very different and it caused a bit of a reaction. I think that's what we need to address at the root of the problem. It's things that are just there, you're not really realizing that they're there, and they're impacting some of your decisions. And I'm, I'm, I'm subject to that too, I think we all are. But it's about building awareness as a group. I think we'll, we'll get there and talking about it is really, I think, a first great step.
1: I'm not sure I could have said it any better. I will add one thing, which was really uh, heartwarming for me, is the number of employees who have reached out with ideas already. So this is a, you know, a relatively new journey for us as an organization, and uh, we certainly do welcome any ideas, any thoughts with respect to how we continue to have these discussions and, and move, the, move the needle forward. So I think I have time for one more question. Um, so we have not really talked about our core values at all. So I think I'll, I'll end with a question with respect to that. Um, so this this question was was sent in by one of our our EVPs, and it's with respect to our, our acquisitions and how that can um, impact our core values. So I'll read it because it is a little bit longer, um, just to make sure that I'm I'm hitting on every point. So. We consciously purchase distressed and declining businesses. As a consequence of this acquisition strategy, do we put ourselves in conflict with the Harris core value, respect of the individual?
2: You want me to start there? Sure. You can. So my answer is no, okay? Um, <laughs> because I think it's the reality of the business and you know, understanding the business doesn't in any way imply respect for the individual. I would actually argue that you know, by looking at the business, making what I think are the good long-term decisions by understanding its reality, actually is better respect for the individual because we're open with the people about the status of the business. We're open with what our accomplishments, or what we need to accomplish and what our objectives are. Um, you know, and you know, sometimes that does require hard decisions. But the out, likely outcome, if it's a shrinking, declining business by somebody else, could be some of the similar decisions done in, in a less respectful fashion to the employee. So I, I would say no. Okay,
0: Jeff. Yeah. I, I think it, it it comes down to how you do what you do. And I think you know, I think you, you can do it in a way that, to Jerry's point, is not very respectful. But I think we, for the most part, I, I know we make mistakes. I mean, I hear stories all the time where you know, I'm not, I'm not pleased of you know how something happened or, or, or how someone was treated but I think fundamentally we're trying to be as transparent as open as communicative as as you know as as, as flexible as we can to work to find them other roles in other parts uh, of our organization or the consolation organization and to Jerry's point I think we're you know That's what respect of the individual is about, right? So it's not that you don't make a difficult decision. It's that once you've decided you need to make a difficult decision, how do you affect or affect that decision? And that I think is where you need to look at how you, you deal with respect of the individual and that that's, I think, where you can still do something that is difficult. In a way that is respectful, and again, the person being affected may not always appreciate it. Certainly, maybe not in the instance. Uh, but I've actually had I've I've, helped, I've had lots of relationships or have lots of relationships with people who I have asked to leave the organization or who have left the organization and still actually respect the way that we were able to do that. Right. So I, I do think it's about the how.
2: Yeah.
0: And and I recently I... got two battles of wine. From yes. Jerry, Jerry had um, had lunch with a, a former employee uh, who he terminated, uh, and I would say it was that was a tough that was a tough it termination. Was a tough, it was a tough, yeah. a tough termination. So this was an individual who was I would say a strong performer on paper. So if you look, if you just if, if all you saw were the metrics, you would love this person because they were growing organically, they were doing lots of good things. But on the people side, we actually felt actually it was a values issue, right? They yeah. weren't actually dealing with our people the way that we, uh, w- that we could accept. So we decided to, we had to ask this individual to leave. So Jerry still keeps in touch with them, and he brought him two lovely bottles uh, of red wine. So I, I, when Jerry sent me the picture, I sent him back and said, remember this when I fire you. Yeah. <laughs> That's true.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if you want to add anything. After that. <laughs> Uh, You know, I will say on on that note, though, of of being respectful and being transparent, whether it's in an acquisition scenario or not, uh, close to 10% of our hires are what we would call boomerangs. So individuals who we've either asked to leave the organization and who've left the organization and decide to come back. And, you know, hopefully that speaks to that respect of the individual. And and people may not always like what they're being told, but if you're being as transparent and honest as possible, that is the most critical piece. So, I hope you found this to be helpful and enjoy your break. Thanks.